Hello there, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the first in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to dissecting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not the man, that is, but the TV series, the brand new Star Wars spin-off show that brings back Ewan McGregor, Ewan again, as everyone's favourite Jedi Master, who isn't Kid Fisto. Yes, rumours of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. There's no need to start writing his Obi-Tuary just yet. Over the next five weeks and six episodes... We will dive deep into the Deborah Chow-directed show, which takes place 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith and shows that the Sith really has hit the fan. Obi-Wan is now Ben, he's living in exile in Tatooine, and is determined not to get involved in the fight against the Empire. Funny how things work out. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, eh, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Uh, Now, for these spoiler specials, I'm usually joined in the studio, but here we're obviously uh, doing it remotely on Squadcast. And I'm usually joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning, but for a variety of reasons, not least we weren't sure when we'd be able to record this today due to other Imperial entanglements. Uh, Plus, the living embodiment of Baby Yoda, Ben Travis, is in America right now at Star Wars Celebration, losing his damn full geek mind, and he did try to join us but his hotel Wi-Fi went kapooey, and like, but like the first and third Death Star, third Death Star, I've just, I've just skipped a Death Star, the first and second Death Stars, and so he will no longer be joining us for the rest of his life. Instead, um, I'm joined by our very own first sister, Geek Queen Helen O'Hara. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome, Helen. Yes, and to you, I, I don't, I think. Ben will be back. I'm. I'm. Hopefully, he'll sure. be back next week. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's not put money in that. Uh, <laughs> don't go keeping your hopes up. Uh, and we're also joined, of course, by the Grand Inquisitor's third cousin, <laughs> twice removed, the one we don't like to talk about after that incident at Linda's wedding, James Dyer. Hello. Be mindful of your thoughts, Chris. They betray you. <laughs> Welcome. How are you? I'm. I'm fine. You are in Grand Inquisitor cosplay today, which is which is nice. <laughs> well, you're referring to my sunny complexion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do. It is quite hard to make you out against the white wall behind you. I With the headphones on, I do have a slight Grand Inquisitor vibe. I will grant you that. Yeah, yeah. you do. It's more Lobot. I mean, yeah, that's, a little bit more clearly, Lobot, but still. yeah, but Lobot's been your style icon for years. We need a new I reference. So. You know, so. yes, we do. This could so be the Grand Inquisitor. I'm yeah. I'm so glad that he's uh, he's here and he's in for the long haul, and I'm excited about that uh, because. We are going to talk about just episode one today. Uh, sorry, part one, because they're called part one. These uh, episodes are not called episodes because that would be confusing because there are already nine episodes. These are parts, which leads me to my first real point. What idiot decided to call this episode part one and not safety not guaranteed? <laughs> oh, oh, poor, poor Benny. Poor Benny. Poor I Benny. Mean, poor Benny. They, they did kill Ben in episode one, so... <laughs> oh really no, I hadn't oh, put no. that together. Oh, oh no. no. Yeah. This is how I win, he said, and then seconds later <laughs> off he went. He was very much a cut gem, <laughs> if, if you will. Oh boy. Oh my word, he's gone. He's a goner. He is a goner. Because we're gonna di- we're gonna dive into episode one, part one, fuck part one with this uh spoiler special. And we don't have time today because of time constraints and things uh to do part two we will do that over the weekend and you will have it 
before part three drops, which is <laughs> which is my my guarantee to you guys. So we're going to get into part one, and we're going to pretend that we haven't seen part two, and we're gonna we're gonna act on the assumption that most people listen to this also haven't seen part two, even though we know that they have. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I, I think, you know, we can maybe hint at parts too, but I don't want to spoil it in case people are watching it on an episode-by-episode episode basis. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, good app, strong app. How, what's your opinion of how Obi-Wan Kenobi has landed so far? Yeah, I think I think a good app. Um, well, I wrote the Empire Review and, and, and gave it a positive review. Uh, I think that... Right, I, I didn't like Ewan McGregor in Phantom Menace. I didn't oh. like very much in Phantom Menace, but but he, even though he wasn't the worst thing in it, I still didn't think he was good. But I thought he got steadily better through the prequel trilogy. So I'm I do feel quite warm and fuzzy about seeing his Obi Wan Kenobi again. You know, when you see him back, and, and the way that they've created the world so far of this episode does feel like it creates some connective tissue between the prequels and the original trilogy. And that was something that the prequels always kind of mm. lacked a little bit. I mean, I know, you know, we end up on the planet on Tatooine giving the baby to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and so on. But there wasn't much in the way of connective tissue. And I, I hope what this this series does is kind of, you know, provide a little bit more of that kind of missing link, as I said in the review. Do you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense? Um I mean, look, I know there's been loads, there's been other prequels, obviously there's been Solo, there's been Rogue One, um, there's been all the stuff in, in Clone Wars and Rebels, which of course we're enormously familiar with. Enormously. Um, Enormous, but, enormously. But it, but they feel like two such different worlds in terms yeah. of just aesthetics, in terms of outlook and everything. Mm. And I feel like this this could really be quite an important bridging piece yeah. it's got between one foot the in two. each hasn't it like yeah it feels, because, you feel because, the, the pristine stuff but you also feel the knackered old used universe exactly stuff. Like, yeah I, I totally get it yeah. the imperials in this feel very imperial they feel very original trilogy they yeah. don't feel like clone troopers they don't feel like just you know um darth sidious and his and his mates mm. they feel like proper imperials um but you have this central character from the prequels who's playing the central role here. And, and so it, it, to me, it just feels like it is creating something of a bridge between the two. And that, I think, is good. It's interesting how much the universe has gone to shit in the last 10 years. This is what happens, unfortunately, if you get a hard right-wing government in, everything goes to shit. You know, public services are. get cut, that's you know. It, that's it. All the funding to the outer rim well, has been cut off. at least I've got my fuel, fuel bill rebate. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. Oh, I say 400 credits over the next five years. <laughs> but, you know, no consumer protection. He's got people stealing his own parts and selling them back to him because they've dismantled the EU regulations. You know, it's, it's really, it's a thing. So Soaring utility bills, I bet. Soaring, indeed. Yeah. Well, in fairness, he's on Tatooine, which was a hunk of chunk in the first True. place. So yes. it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's degraded that badly. Uh, but it is interesting. It's like, uh, one of the things I've written down in my little notes here is the rehabilitation of the prequels uh, over the years. And, uh, and you, you know, obviously you're talking to King... Uh, King, I love the prequels. I love the prequels so much. I, I, I just can't stop giving them five stars. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> but there is there is something I think about, you know, a generation of people have grown up, young people have grown up with the prequels as ben. their... Ben, it's yeah, ben. As, as, their, as their Star Wars. Mm. And there's something about the fact that this, this show is very much taking elements of the prequels, but reimagining them or or at least refracting them through this original trilogy prism. Mm -hmm. So you get all this prequels 
uh, elements, but shot in a very traditional, very dirty, very practical yeah. way. And I yeah. think that's really interesting. But this is the first, I mean, it's not the first sign of, because I think we've known for a while. It's, I mean, it's, it's a massive sort of like shift in policy and direction for Lucasfilm. Because since Disney bought Lucasfilm, they made that conscious decision very early on that they were completely conscious decision to sever ties with the prequel universe and focus solely on the original films. Like there was a whole thing, like the cancelled Clone Wars, everything was going about the original trilogy. And I think they were doing that to try and find a way to kind of make Star Wars cool again you know, yeah. to try and distance it from all that. And I think that didn't go well. So they've now decided to embrace it all. And they did it a while back. They brought Clone Wars back. You know, Ahsoka is in is in Mando and stuff. So they, they you know, they've been doing this for a while, but I think this is the one that feels like the most definite evidence of that. Because obviously this starts with that previously on the prequel trilogy intro. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah, with so the notice, proper, like, you know. In case you didn't watch these films and they give you footage and it's like, it's funny. And like, I always forget when I'm away from them how terrible the prequels are. But they show you that it's like, oh God, oh God, it's so bad. Oh, the dialogue is so awful. I go the opposite way, Jimbo. <laughs> this opening recap, skip recap, fuck you. I will never skip recap. Uh, this, this recap just maybe go, oh, I love the prequels. Oh, <laughs> that is not oh, how I felt. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw Revenge of the Sith. Yay! I should stick it on. <laughs> I, I, yeah. put, I put on half an hour of uh, Attack of the Clones yesterday because I it's thought, you know, let, let, me, let me watch some, some Obi-Wan, you know, let me see this guy Why in action. you've grown, Helen? Grown yeah. more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wow. a line I must try one day just to see if it works. I, I feel like it will definitely not. Um, but <laughs> anyway, but I watched I watched half an hour and they really are quite bad. So so just FYI. But you say when you say quite bad. I mean very bad. Yeah. I mean bad. You say, when you say very bad, what you really mean is genius level great. Mm. <laughs> yes, but but I think I think you know it, they they do have good stuff in them, and I think look look, Hugh <laughs> McGregor's performance starts badly and it, but it, is bad, right? it wasn't it just improves. me he was bad and it's, it's yeah. not and i think it does come down to george lucas more than anything i think george lucas is the dialogue he is fed and forced to speak is hey absolutely and look oh, i on. know harrison ford worked wonders with that dialogue but i, I think you and struggled a lot with just how bad it is um, if they find us but they will crush us and blast us into oblivion but the thing that worries me is the worst offender is a hundred percent hayden christensen I mean, even more than Jake Lloyd, it is Hayden Christensen. Like he has his performance is shocking, and that is obviously going to be a worry for us going forward in this. I wonder how much that they can really have him do. I mean, the man was burned alive. He's literally unrecognisable and wearing a big stupid helmet. Come on, yeah. you know there might. Yeah. I, I wonder if they've got done some more flashback scenes or something to insert flashback to scenes, Helen. Flashback to scenes, yes. yes. Um, I, I genuinely, I don't know how how his his element is going to work, and I guess we'll see that as the show goes on. But but look, I mean, Obi Wan did end up Luke Luke Skywalker. Obi Wan <laughs> did end up in a good place, in an interesting place, you know. And maybe there is something to be said for rejoining him halfway through, even if we know where he has to end up, which is right back where this film starts. But there is there is the potential that he he ends up back where he is at the beginning of this episode, but like psychologically different, yes. right? That's what we've got to hope for this yeah. show. Yeah, very so, much so. Yeah, yeah he, he's got to go through a lot of stuff, right? Before we meet him. Obviously, 10 years, 10 more years yeah. will elapse. His hair has to turn white, for God's sake. He, he has, has to, to see, he has to go through some serious shit because the, the Obi-Wan we meet here 
has obviously gone through some, he's, he's seen some shit. He's been through some hard yards, but something has to seriously happen for him to go from this kind of, I don't even know if the salt and pepper gray that, that Ewan has mm. in this to the, the, the absolutely stark white of Alec Guinness in just 10 years time. Uh, but also he's, a, he's a lot more spiritual, isn't he? He's a lot more just, he's, a, you know, he's, he, he's exactly where Obi-Wan isn't when we open this show, which I thought was interesting in that he's, he's buried deep the Jedi part of himself. And I don't know that it's the same as Luke burying the Jedi part of himself in, the Last Jedi. I think this is a slightly different thing. Mm. This is more fear-based. This is more I'm going to die if I reveal myself as a Jedi. So I've forgotten how to do it. Yeah. I do absolutely love uh, this whole idea of hunting down the Jedi by compassion. I think like so basically you threaten anybody and any Jedi nearby is gonna is gonna feel compelled to act. And the thing is, like, I, I just think find that so interesting. I think it's it's kind of I feel like it's kind of based in real world totalitarianism, you know, because like anybody who st- who speaks up for anybody automatically puts themselves at risk in a totalitarian yeah. society, right? So so it's kind of that. It's kind of based in a real world psychology. It's based in something truthful. Um but it's also so nasty. Like if it's you stop nasty. being that compassionate person, if you stop trying to intervene when someone is in need of your help, do you stop being what you are? Do you become, is that how all these inquisitors were were turned to the dark side? Did they just run for long enough that that's all that was left of them? But you know? that's a really interesting point. And I always like that because obviously I am completely versed in all the animated shows and therefore I'm intimately familiar Deeply with so. the origin of Inquisitors. But let's say for a second that I'd maybe forgotten all of that stuff, which I'd previously <laughs> knew. Like I like the idea that the Inquisitors are former Jedi, like ones who were not Order 66, but turned to the dark side instead. Like that's particularly creepy and mm. nasty. Because I did wonder like when, you know, Jason Isaac's Inquisitor turned up in Rebels. Like, it's like, where the fuck did you come from, like, Mr. Lightsaber Man? Like, I'm very confused. Always two there are, a master and an apprentice. Precisely. Yeah. So this is, this is it, Jimbo. So uh, obviously I am also deeply first in the animated <laughs> shows and, and know intimately every detail. However, does what are, what are the... For the people who don't know, <laughs> for the people who haven't seen these shows and perhaps aren't up to speed... What are the Inquisitors? Are they're not they're not quite Sith or something? They're they're Sith adjacent. <laughs> what, what are they're Sith in waiting? Because there can only be two Sith at one time, which is a really stupid membership. It's a, it's a, process. It's a terrible. Can I just say I've always had a problem with that bit of the of the prequels. So always two there are a master and apprentice. So what? Restoring balance to the Force is restoring a situation where there are two Sith and however many Jedi you want. Like what is? How is that balanced? Is that is that balance? Did he mean, did Yoda mean that there is kind of Sith hives and you can have you can have like a hundred Sith, but they can't operate together? It's fucking stupid. It's stupid, Yoda. It really is bad. Like, Daddy's dead. Okay. Sense. I've looked it up on Wikipedia. So No, you mean you knew this uh, already? What I mean is I knew this from watching the animated series, obviously. So the Order of Inquisitors was an organisation of mysterious, force-sensitive dark side agents who served the Sith-ruled Galactic Empire. Uh, They were called Imperial Inquisitors uh, and were also nicknamed Red Blades. And they are tasked with hunting down the remaining Jedi who had survived Order 66 at the end of the Clone Wars. This does not at any point say they were former Jedi. It just says they're uh, force-sensitive dark side agents. See, I think some are former Jedi, some are not. 
Uh, and I think the show is setting us up to believe that Reva, aka Third Sister, might be a youngling who escaped Order 66 and has taken it badly. <laughs> well, <laughs> shall, we say, yeah. shall we say? That's that's my feeling on, on what on, on her arc, on her backstory. Uh, I may be wrong in that. I'm not quite sure that mm-hmm. it tallies up in age wise because uh, Moses Ingram's what late twenties, but you can have a, you can have a teenage youngling. I wondered if maybe she was in that opening sequence because the the opening sequence of the show is is more Order sixty six. And as I love Order sixty six, I just love seeing Jedi get fucking whacked. Uh, <laughs> you monster! I, then I was like, yes, please, thank you, thank you. This is great. Um, and I wondered if 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 Reva is one of the younglings there, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I couldn't see someone that was obviously her, but um, but it, yeah, it does seem to be personal somehow, doesn't it? So it seems like mm. something. There's something that she clearly blames him for. There is a personal grudge there. It's not just she wants to prove herself by finding a big Jedi target. It, it does yeah. feel more, yeah, personal than that, but also really like fanatical and she will not stop at anything. And it's interesting that you have other Inquisitors telling her to maybe <laughs> calm it down. You know, that, that suggests a, a degree of formidability. Is that a word? It is now. Psychopathy, Psychopathy? I think, is the, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, which which is interesting. And there's obviously a big development in part two, which we can't talk about because of the code that we have we have taken. We have we have we have taken a foul uh, not to talk about part two. We'll talk about that in part two, obviously. But there's uh, there's a really interesting development, which is also interesting vis-a-vis the animated shows and fates of certain characters. Uh, if my quick glance at the uh, internet is 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 correct, uh, I may have to finally watch these animated shows. But I just don't have the time. When do you have the time? I've got so many shows to watch, including this. How do you, how can you possibly find the time to watch all the animated shows? There's fucking loads of them. There are a lot of them, yeah. Oh, there's too many. There's too many shows. Uh, anyway, so if you listened to the preview podcast that we put up for Obi-Wan Kenobi just before the first two episodes dropped, uh, slightly by surprise, actually. They, they took us by surprise because they dropped them because of Celebration by and they brought it forward by a few hours. Not a lot, but enough. Um, then you will have heard the interviews I did with the show's director, Deborah Chow, and the show's head writer and executive producer, Joby Harold, who came on and reconfigured this show after it was because it was originally meant to be a film. It was announced as a film uh, directed by Stephen Daldry, written by Hossein uh, Amini. Uh, and then Stuart Beatty, who co-wrote Collateral, was brought on as well. And as you can see, the they are, are accredited with a script for this alongside Joby Harold. But my understanding is that he came on and reworked the material substantially and, you know, for, for a limited series format. If you've heard the interviews that I did with them, you'll know that there's a fair amount of successful misdirection, I would say, in the in the trailers or just mm. in certain people's expectations of what the show was going to be. For example, I think there's a lot of focus on the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin slash Darth Vader, and I think the show is going to deliver on that, absolutely. Except, can it? Because when it, I left I you, I was but the learner, now I am the master, does heavily imply that they have not met since. I th- I'm not so sure about that. There's a, there's enough vagaries um, in the dialogue, I think, for them to fill in the blanks here. Mm. Uh, Vader says on the, sh- on, on the Death Star, 
he says when he when he senses Obi Wan nearby, he says he goes, "That's a presence I have not felt since." And then he stops talking he and then just talking. fucks off. Mm. So it, you know, you could because we assume that since they met on Mustafar, but actually he could be since that time we went to Coruscant and had a big battle ten that years ago. True, but still. So, there's enough there. In the same way that Leia's not supposed to really remember her mother other than someone who was a bit sad. It's like, come no, on, girl, no, you're no. 10. That's incorrect. No, that was her birth mother. She was specifically asked about yeah, her birth mother. Uh, no way she remembers her birth mother. She was taken I away know, when she was not hours old. She's strong in the force. Oh, I've never please. had a problem with that. I've never had a problem with that because she's strong in the force and she would have remembered and and, and the midichlorians would have been going, mother, mother, mother. Does she, does she properly know she's adopted? Obviously, other people do because she gets ragged on by our cousin but you get the impression that they haven't necessarily told her that she's adopted i think they have in this, they in think, this i think she, yeah, think? yeah yeah she yeah. yeah she she she's a, yeah because he even says you you know you're not one of us and yeah she definitely I think, I, it's not a shock to her it's just it's it hurts that she's considered not to be uh, not to be one of them but my 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 point as well about the the things that were surprising in the show is that people i think were focusing on luke and they were looking over here at Leia. And Leia is a huge part of the show, which I did not see coming. An enormous amount of the trailer is is just from these first two episodes. So there's, you know, very, very little left, I think, for them to yeah. to draw on. Apart from there's a few action scenes mostly. Um but they've they've definitely done a deliberate misdirect by keeping Leia and Alderaan entirely out of the trailer and um and 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 having that shot of Luke in there and having Uncle Owen in there and making it look like it's yet another Star Wars show on Tatooine. Um, but actually, you know, end of episode one, that's him leaving Tatooine. Now, he may well be back. I'm sure he will be at some point, but he hopefully will actually go to some different worlds. Because it is one of the things, like when I when I uh, started watching Clones yesterday and they talk about thousands of worlds are about to secede from the yeah, Republic. And you're like, why do we keep going to the same six? Come on, people. So I hope he, you know, goes to some strange new worlds. Did you not think that Tatooine in this felt much more like Tatooine than the Boba Fett one. Like, oh, yeah. It actually felt yeah. it felt yeah. like mm. proper. It felt almost like cinematic Tatooine, not like shitty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can Boba we talk Fett, about uh, desert fish? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, where they're getting the fish from. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's like it's a giant, de- presumably sand fish. I mean, we can have sandworms, so why not sand fish, sure. I guess. And I guess they're trying to, what, mine it? They're making fillet fish like it's self-smoking. Like they don't have to smoke the salmon; it's just pre-smoked or something. Really confused by how all of that works. Was I the only one who spent the episode really anxious that Obi Wan was going to get like nabbed for nicking fish? Like every well, day yeah. he nicks fish, yeah, and I'm like, cause... "Some fucker's going to fire you. You can't be nicking from the shop floor. What are you doing?" See, I thought that was going to be. Um, I thought that was going to be the first opportunity for him to Jedi mind trick mm. the the hell out of his dickhead boss. But it's actually there to show... That he likes his horsey? Yes, he does like his horsey, but it also shows how far removed he is from the Jedi lifestyle. Mm. And it puts him in numerous positions throughout the episode where he could he could do a little Jedi mind trick. He could do, you know, kind of like, you should let that man off and pay him what he owe, what, what you owe him. He could do all that sort of, sort, of, sort of stuff, but he really, really, really does want to draw attention to himself to the point where he indirectly causes the death of Benny Safdie. Mm. I mean, you could say in you could say, you know, that Benny Safdie was asking for it, you know, because he no. was, you know, a bit of an idiot and uh, running around and you know hiding in not plain sight. 
but equally, you know, what would have happened if Obi-Wan had taken him in? So there's, there's, I think that's a really, really interesting thing. And also James's point about how cinematic this looks. It's shot by the great DP Chung Hoon Chung. Oh, uh, from who, Last Night in Soho. From Last Night in Soho and obviously so many of um, Park Chan-wook's films. Uh, just an amazing, amazing DP. And it does, it just, the, the only time I think that the show looks slightly cheap or slightly like a TV show Weirdly enough, are in the action sequences mm. so far. There's the 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 bit where uh, Flea, and we have to talk about the fact that Flea <laughs> from the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> is in this show. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But there's a bit where he and his cohorts, um, Anthony Kiedis and the weird uh, <laughs> yeah. drummer man, um, uh, Chad you? Smith. Chad Smith, is that his name? Uh, the one who looks like uh, Will Ferrell. Yes, the one who looks like Will Ferrell. Uh, John Frusciante is back in, in the uh, in the in the fold, isn't he now? But anyway, the um, <laughs> the um, so they're, they're, she's fleeing from Flea. And so it, oh, bad. It's all a bit rubbish. It's so sadly. bad. It's just the thing. It's like it's like first of all, three guys have this small child completely surrounded. She starts running and they do nothing. They react in no way. They allow her to run away and get a head start. And then in yeah. what looks like some kind of sci-fi Benny Hill episode, they start <laughs> randomly flailing their arms around and chasing her through the forest in the most inept way I've ever seen. And you just think, of all the things in this episode, that one sequence was such a fucking car crash. It's just like, could they not have maybe redone it or thought it through yeah. or just done something that looked good? Because that was awful. I mean, it's not difficult to catch a 10-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I should um, rephrase that. You pl- please do, yeah. I imagine it's not difficult to go. catch a tenure, especially if you're a professional henchman. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. they must have form in this area. In fairness, one of them says that you know he's not entirely comfortable with the whole kidnapping children thing. So maybe it's not something that they do often. Maybe they are, you know, it's like Andre the Giant in the Princess Bride, where he says, you know, he's having trouble <laughs> with the man in black because he's he's so used to fighting entire gangs of people at once. He never has to fight one person anymore. It's tricky. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's maybe a similar thing. They're so used to fighting big, strong, fast people that they can't catch a small ten-year-old. That's what it is. They, they go full for tellies and the Goonies, don't they? And, you know, kind of just go become bumbling idiots all of a sudden. Um, but anyway, my point was that uh, Chung Hoon Chung has just made the show really cinematic, and yeah. it looks amazing. The shot, the, the the shots at night, and Tatooine looks like Tatooine, and we get to see the homestead, the Skywalker mm. home. Well, it's not the Skywalker homestead; it is the, the Lars the homestead. Lars, yeah, the Lars homestead. Uh, we get to see that, and 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 just seeing that stuff, and even seeing and seeing Ewan. Uh, as Obi-Wan just made me feel all the feels. Mm. and But it worked mm. for me in a way that the other show that trades heavily on your nostalgia, The Book of Boba Fett, didn't. Mm. I think this is because, and maybe because already we know what the stakes are. Yes, I think that's exactly it. We know what the stakes are. We know who's doing what and why. Um, even if we don't know all of the why, we still know that there's there's a why there. You know, we don't know exactly why Reva is after Obi Wan, but we know that there is a why. It's she's made that entirely clear th- through her performance, and the show has made that entirely clear in the way that it's shot her and, and established her character. So we're not we're not wondering about that. We've got that. Even if there's more to find out. Um, similarly, we know why. You know, we, we've got the degree of Boba Fett's reluctance to get involved with anyone, and that's established through Benny Safdie. And we see what it takes to get him back into action, as it were. Um, yeah. So I, I think you've already got a, 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 a much more of a handle on everybody's motives and everybody's needs and wants and fears and desires than we had six episodes into Boba Fett, frankly. 
Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, but this, I mean, this this shines a very clear light on how cheap Boba Fett looks, like how cheap it looked, because this doesn't feel like that. In fact, weirdly, this felt like much more luxurious than Mandalorian does as well. And I don't know whether that's because there's something subliminal about seeing Ewan and about seeing these characters. Maybe it's just the prequels are in my brain, but it felt, as we've said, like so cinematic and it felt luxurious and it felt rich and it transported me back to an experience that felt not unlike watching Star Wars in the cinema. Which, even though I love The mm. Mandalorian, it has never done that. Really? Mm. Oh, The Mandalorian has done that for me on many, many times, many, many occasions. Um, and it's given me those Star Wars feels that I haven't had for a long time. A long time. And Chris, you know, you're this, going to this, find this is... that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. <laughs> <laughs> From a certain point of view. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots that I uh, yeah there's lots I really really liked about this, but and uh, I'm sure it will reveal why it's a six part limited series rather than a film. Mm. But again, it's one of those where you're watching it going, okay, apart from the really lovely build up of the pressure on Obi Wan, both external and internal, that finally makes him go out to the desert and somehow remember where he's buried his lightsaber and dig up the lightsaber and then go into action. I, I actually really like that it took a sweet time to do that. And it didn't just fold at the first challenge. Um, but apart from that, I don't know that, you know, this, there's nothing here that doesn't feel like it couldn't have been a movie so far. So maybe we'll see what, what happens down the line. But I, I miss Star Wars on the big screen, mm. is what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess we'll see as it unfolds. And hopefully, look, when Star Wars is back on the big screen, apparently with Taika's film first, it will all, it will all become clear. Um, but there is something to be said for them not going yearly with Star Wars films. I think it is it is something that should feel special and should feel like an occasion. True, so. but it has been five years since. Oh the yeah, last I'm not one. saying we, I'm not saying it shouldn't come back now. Yeah. Right, thanks. It's been five years since the Last Jedi. They haven't made another one. <laughs> no, since there was then. none and since then. No, <laughs> and then is here to contradict us on that. So I know. Oh my God, James, have it. Yes, <laughs> oh, it's a load of old shit. Uh, <laughs> No, I no, I I'm I'm I firmly believe that they just need to do something ever so slightly different with the films. And funnily enough, Sophie Petzl, who uh, is a TV screenwriter, she was going on about how the High Republic, which is the era that they're now exploring in novels and they're exploring in uh, in uh, comics and stuff, is like the most exciting era for Star Wars in a long mm. time. And it doesn't step on any other timelines, and it, it keeps all the livery and the stuff that we love. So actually, maybe that's would be a great thing to explore in a new saga on the big screen. This is what I've been saying for ages, just like move away in time yeah. from this era. And it gives you so much more work to, room to work with. Because, you know, the one thing about this, this show is, you know, we do know that Obi-Wan is going to survive. Obi-Wan. Um, unless something really astonishing happens. That would be wild, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, some kind of clone situation. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, we do know certain things about it because of its proximity and time to what we've seen before. So it, it would be kind of fun to just go crazy wild with a whole new set of characters. And I hope that they do. But at the yeah. same time, I'm having a lovely time here um, so far. And I, I, I think there's some interesting stuff going on. I think, you know, they've done very well to wrongford us, as I say, with um, Luke and Leia. I'm liking that we get a little bit more of a look at Alderaan. I think that's an interesting thing. And I think it's an interesting thing to maybe explore a little tiny bit how this kid who is stubborn and um, already a bit, you know, ornery 
turns into that young woman who's very stubborn and very ordinary, but perhaps in a more directed way. And I think if they if they get into that a little bit, I'll be very, very happy because you know me and Leia. Yes, we know you and Leia. And uh, I, honestly, I didn't recognise Alderaan uh, whole. Oh, so it was, it was nice to see that. Um, it was nice to see it not as a pile of space rubble. Yeah. Uh, that was good. And so yeah, so that's a bit of a shock, isn't it? You know, yeah. that, you know, I don't think we're going to get that Luke thing, that Luke relationship. And in a way, we're, we probably wouldn't get it anyway. Maybe we will. Maybe it'll they'll they'll do something in future episodes. I don't think in the New Hope, you know, Luke clearly knows about Ben, and they've they've clearly met and they've clearly had conversations. I don't think he's meeting him for the first time. Um, unless mm. I've wildly no, misinterpreted. No, no, you he knows him to a certain yeah. extent, but doesn't know yeah. anything about who he really is. I think that's probably what we're working towards is sort of a, a hello and a quick conversation in the place with his uncle. Kind of thing. <laughs> well, genuinely, I mean, maybe. A rapprochement. Yeah. yeah. And, and so a, an acknowledgement that, that this is a neighbour who lives in our area. You can say hello to him if you see him, but probably not much more than that. But that is enough to establish what we have in A New Hope and also is a step up from what Obi-Wan currently has. So mm. it might, it yes. might work. Yes. Uh, and the Leia stuff. I know we have a question about this. We're going to take some listener questions in a second. I know we have a question about this because uh, I was thinking the same thing myself. Uh, you will have in part two, which we haven't seen, but you may have in part two scenes between Obi-Wan and Leia, uh, young Leia. So how can you do that without violating the sanctity of George Lucas's oh so well thought through backstory. <laughs> uh, well, you see, those th- this question reckons without the incredibly thorough job of hiding himself that Obi Wan Kenobi is doing. See what he's done, right? Mm-hmm. Is he's changed his first name to Ben because no one <laughs> suspects Ben. No one suspects Ben. That's how Travis has got away with being a serial killer for all these years. Um, second of all, <laughs> he's made his beard slightly longer. And his, longer. and his coat slightly shorter. Slightly shorter. See, the message in R2D2 shouldn't have been years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. It should have been years ago we hung out on a planet when you no, saved no. me from kidnappers. No, no. Obi Wan Kenobi saved her mm-hmm. father in the Clone Wars, served with her father in the Clone Wars. Some dude called Ben <laughs> may well, we ben find guy. out, have been yeah. involved in that time she got kidnapped. Yeah. Totally yeah. different. She has no reason to know. Apparently, photos are not a thing in this universe, yeah. particularly until they are. So. Which may or may not happen in, a, in part two. Indeed. Uh, that, I'm pretty sure that, that she saw the hologram about. of his face that said Obi-Wan Kenobi underneath it in Orabesh, but sure. She may not read Orabesh. Hey, look, if she can't read by the time she's 10, I'm sorry. She can read, but she might not be able to read Orabesh. Yeah. I think she can. She's been too, learning, too busy learning Wookiee or something just for yeah. fun. Yeah. Besides, she's right. got a protocol droid who's fluent in over six billion forms of exactly. communication on hand. And there he was. 3PO. Oh, bit Aww. of Anthony Daniels. He's even credited. Oh, it's, it's nice. So I wonder, like, did he just, because I don't remember hearing his voice, so they must have used his voice because he's not going to turn up just I, for that. I didn't he? hear him speak. Yeah, he's credited. He is credited. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is the, uh, so the Jedi Master we see at the beginning is Minus Felty, played by Ming-Q. Now, wait, was that between Minus Tirith and Minus Morgul? Or, oh. uh, or what was the geography there? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tika, the really fun Jawa, who has a bit of back and forth with with Obi Wan. Um, otherwise, is a relatively humorless uh, episode. I would say uh, Obi Wan isn't. A, he's, he's not a pile of laughs, is he at the moment? Uh, Leilani Leilani Shu is uh, Tika. 
So I want to see more of Tika. Not Mm. in a sexual way. No. I don't really want to see a nude Jawa. Um, Although the the Mandalorian does seem like we might go there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we take some listener questions? Uh, Any other great moments? Any other surprises that, that... Anything, anything that took you by surprise, apart from obviously the presence of Flea, the bassist from, <laughs> yeah. and again, I cannot emphasize this enough, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I love Flea. Mm. Um, I know that The Good Place has made it very uncool to like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm. but I do like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What They've can I say? And songs. I like Flea. I don't know. Flea can act. Flea can act. Yeah, he's been in some good films. He's been in good some films. He fired Marty McFly in Back to the Future Part 2. He's not good in this but you know, I'll I'll maybe say that he's clinging to the tradition of the prequels by being quite bad. Hmm. Uh, maybe he's is a deliberately off kilter performance. But yeah, Flea's in this, so that was a surprise. I didn't see that coming. I didn't think we'd have a credit simply saying Flea at the, at the end of the episode. That's great. I have grand inquisitor questions, but I'll probably save those for episode two. But the only thing I did find is when the inquisitors turn up on Tatooine, mm. like that sequence to me felt very television. And I don't mean to besmirch television because obviously I would never do that. But I mean that that the, the the illusion that I was watching a Star Wars movie, like the Inquisitor stuff, felt not even very television. It felt very animated seriesy because obviously that's where it generates from. But just there's there was something about that that just didn't feel quite right. It felt a little bit too exaggerated to fit in with how I feel about you know the Star Wars universe. So I wasn't maybe overly fond of those maybe it's because you know old third sister or whatever it is i'm used to playing as i think i encountered second sister in jedi fallen order uh, which i know you've played as well yes so it kind of it feels like and that's the one thing with this is that there were moments of this and i mentioned when we reviewed this on pilot but uh there were moments where i felt like this is like an expanded universe novel that someone's televised you know what i mean it has it has the whiff of expanded universe novel about it at times Oh, it sounds like Jimbo's a bit more down on it than you and I, Helen. Mm. You can, you no, can be down I, I'm, on it, Jimbo. I'm not down on it. I'm not down on it. I have, I have some criticisms of certain aspects mm. of it, but I enjoyed it actually more than I thought I would. Like I had, I had some concerns about this uh, going in, and I think look, the the problem with this is it's 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 it runs the risk that all this shit does of pissing in the swimming pool, a swimming pool that I particularly like swimming in, uh, <laughs> which is that I love Star Wars so much, and every time something comes along like your solo, like to a certain extent the prequels and like pisses in the swimming pool like it, it and people say oh it's fine you can take it in isolation it doesn't ruin your enjoyment of the originals yes it does it does because you can't unsee this shit and then every time you watch you know the original star wars and i will not call it a new hope every time you watch star wars you're, you're thinking about oh for fuck's sake this is nonsense like the tantive fours literally just left vader oh where are the plans i think they're on the ship of course they're on that ship you fucking saw them put it on the ship and you saw it fly away we know that because we saw it in rogue one which has now ruined the beginning of star wars so i don't want it to wow. do that i don't want it to further ruin star wars for me so because that kind of stuff bugs me okay well ho- i mean we have to hope that it won't though right i do hope that very much rogue one does that for me in a way and i know that rogue one is many people's favorite it's triumphant uh, non- Chris. did you not see it is triumphant didn't you say that <laughs> yes have you turned on yourself? No, this no, is like me. It's that, triumphant because it's on the front of the box. And I wrote okay. it. But that's not the end of that. No, but you don't think you don't think it's triumphant anymore. No, I, I actually where do like it as a film, but I don't okay. like the fact that it fucks about with the timeline in such a way that it then irks. It irks the pedant in me when I watch Star Wars. Okay, that's interesting. Never that's a different pedant. That's a different experience for me because the, this month May marked the twentieth anniversary. Fucking hell, I'm old. Of 
of the greatest moment in Star Wars history, which is my five-star review mm. of Attack of the Clones. It also marked the 20th anniversary of the release of the movie, but mainly it mainly marked the 20th review. anniversary yeah. of, of my review, yeah. uh, which in some quarters mm. is infamous, <laughs> like El Guapo. Uh, and <laughs> it's not just famous, it's in infamous. And I, you know, I've, I've, done a, I've done a 180 on, on that review, as people know. And I, I'm now at the point where people are going, because there's been another 180 on Attack of the clones in certain quarters where people are going I, I honestly people mm. get people get in touch with me all the time going you were right you know no, they, you were they, right they, to you give were. five I'm going no I'm not it's terrible it's, have you seen it it is the worst of the three prequels <laughs> it is the worst of the but three but Yoda with a lightsaber I know, but that's the thing. And then you get the, the skip recap thing. You get the recap at the beginning of the show. And I'm looking at it going, oh, I want to, I want to watch it again now. Oh, all the stuff with, all the stuff in Kamino is great. All the stuff with Obi-Wan being the detective and hunting down Chango Fett. That's great. All the stuff with Count Dooku. That's great. And then, and then suddenly I'm back in five star territory again. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. If isn't you need it? us to, one, if you need us to come around and do an intervention, you know, yeah. just, just slap just, me repeatedly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, Helen, you make that offer. So I know. Well, you know, I'm just I'm here for you. What can I tell you? If 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 being here for you means offering to slap you on the regular, then that's me. Yeah. This is not a sort of sexy dominatrix no. thing, by the way, folks. This is literally just a, a punishment. And I deserve it because I've been a very naughty boy. Uh, oh, anyway, it's <laughs> Rogue One. Rogue One, by the way, has in in effect, yeah, you're right, ruined the beginning of, of Star Wars because yes, he knows that the plans are on the Tante 4, but also I, I, the thing I don't like about Rogue One is that really fan servicey bit at the end where Fader comes out of nowhere and beats the living shit out of a load of people. And some people love them. that. Yeah, I know some people absolutely love it. And some people, for some people, it's the greatest Fader moment of all time. I think it's awful because then you cut from that to just minutes later, him going onto the deck of the Tanti Four and just basically throwing a guy against a wall rather than laying waste to all those those troopers, which he could easily have done. Um, and that's, the current, uh, weirdly enough, I am getting around to making a point about the show. Uh, that's the kind of fan service I think that this show has avoided so far. Yeah, early days, but so far, yeah. Hmm. Early days, but Obi-Wan doesn't speak for ages. When he does speak, it's not a perky, hello there. It's a, you know, it's you're late. And he, you know, he doesn't speak for, for a long time. You can see that he's haunted. And it, it's eschewing so far, for me, Chances to do kind of cheap fan servicey mm. jokes, even with the introduction of Leia. Can you imagine how bad he smells? If he's working with fish all day and then riding his horse home and has no obvious shire. Snoot horses might smell delightful. <laughs> they might do. <laughs> they might do. We don't know what fish smell like. Rotting fish smells it like may in the Star not Wars be rotting. It may be, like I say, it may be like mm. desert cured. He still stuffs it down Giant his jerkin. That's not going to help, is it? It's not. Oh my god! Not gonna, I don't see that working brilliantly. Uh, you think your commute's bad? Try Obi Wan Kenobi's. <laughs> I did look at that. I'm thinking that snow horse moves fucking slowly. You'd be better off walking. Mm-hmm. You'd be better off moving. Just move closer to the big rotting fish. Find mate. a cave closer to the fish market. Yeah, because as it is, he has to get up out of his cave. Yeah. Um, by the way, is that R two at the front? Holding no, no. I, I see. It looks like an astromet droid. I assume that it's. I, I assume that there was something. I assumed it was a different astromet buried there. Yeah, because it does seem to. It, it tells him who's in there. But I assumed it was a droid buried in the sand because it's the same sh- size and shape as the little R two sensor. Yeah. You know? But it can't be R two himself. No, exactly. Who has R two at this point? Bale does, doesn't he? Isn't he yeah. He's with C three PO. 
then they have the droid's memory That's erased right, and they do. fuck off with bail back to uh it feels like Alderaan. i've had my memory erased but <laughs> it does <laughs> i had forgotten for example that owen and baru were actually luke's proper aunt and uncle i yeah. thought they were just pretending step, but step aunt and uncle yeah yeah that's true. Step aunt and uncle, not blood Step relatives. aunt and uncle. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, Obi-Wan's commute is terrible because he has to get up from his little horrible cave in Stone 8 and then he has to ride an AOP across the desert really, really slowly because it's hot. And he has to go down pursuing that's Mos Eisley, where he, where, he's, where he goes to. Then he has to get a bus from there out into the... Dune Sea, I'm guessing, or maybe he lives in the Dune Sea. It's all very confusing. It might not be Mos Eisley. It might be like another local town. Okay, might be smaller. It does. It does seem smaller and and Mos Def. Yeah, Mos Mos Def. It's probably Mos Def. (laughs) That's where it is. Uh, All right, should we take some questions? Yes, please. All right, here's one from At Cantona's Ghost. Do you think the series could and should focus its story on Riva and the fate of the Inquisitors? It seems like their lack of presence in the original trilogy must be resolved. Well, Maybe. as we will know from watching the animated series, their fate is, of course, re- resolved there, probably, I yeah. think. <laughs> Almost yes, certainly. I believe so. Well, yes, know. as we all feels know, like, yes. Yeah, very feels much like the so. kind of thing they'd have wrapped up at some point, so sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about that in part two, Indeed, for sure. they, they work for yeah. Vader. But, um, but I'm enjoying them as a presence. I think they, they, I think they get kind of personalities within that little time frame. You get the absolute pantomime villainy of Rupert Friend yeah, who's having I the time of his life. With um, friends like Lee's, right? <laughs> right. Um, you get the single-minded uh, psychosis of Reva and you get, you know, the um, the slightly, by comparison, possibly nicer attitude of, is it Fifth Brother, um, played by Sun Kang? Yeah. So Han Solo is in Obi-Wan Kenobi. As indeed is an actress called Kessel. Whoa. Simone Kessel plays Leia's mum. Uh, but at no point does she run, which is very, very sad. Yet. A, yet, absolutely. Bit of a you know, bit of a missed opportunity there. But uh, Cantona's ghost goes on and says something that I had written down as well, but forgot to say. Uh, it seems that the method of threatening Leia and the Organa family is a surefire way of drawing out Kenobi. What is to stop them just doing this over and over again? And this is a very good point. So I think something must definitively happen mm-hmm. here at the end to stop them from pursuing this course of action. Presumably the Inquisitors don't make it through this show. I'm guessing that this show has to strip things away to the point where Fader is the unchallenged champion of the, the baddies. Or they think all the Jedi are gone by the end of it and then they're kind of, you know, they're retired and go to live so, in a home somewhere. Or, Obi-Wan fakes his own death at the end yeah. of this series. Yeah, that would do it. Hey, look, Sun Kang's done it and he's in this. He was Han Solo. He's now an Inquisitor. So... <laughs> <laughs> a very, very good point. Uh, all right. Oh, oh, wait. That's a question from... That's a question for part two. Uh, here's a question from at Sack Drenched. Will there be new sequences filmed for this from the prequel era or be entirely reliant on the prequels films footage, such as that recap at the beginning? Mm. Well, like I say, I I feel like if you're going to hire Hayden Christensen back, you don't only put him in acres and acres of prosthetics, do you? I mean, surely you have at least one kind of flashback scene so you can have a nice moment with with actual him acting opposite Ewan McGregor. So I wouldn't say that it's impossible that there will be some prequel footage in there, I would have thought. At Sizzly7 asks, is it good to retcon canon? 
when it ends up being this entertaining. I mean, I think they're trying to operate in the grey areas left by canon, if you will. The space between spaces, perhaps. The space between spaces. <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I feel like some zhuzhing around the edges is sometimes permissible, even if it annoys James. It does annoy James. I know it does. Well, maybe that's a bonus, actually. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there are, there are going to be some things that will, will annoy us all, I'm sure, if they do them. Yes. Uh, Indeed. Uh, at Ste9hen says, really enjoyed these first two episodes of Obi-Wan. What do you mean first two? We've only seen one. Uh, loved young Leia, apart from the chase bits where it was clear she was so much slower. <laughs> True. Uh, do you guys think that these two episodes prove it's time to move away from the very episodic adventure of the week nature of the other Star Wars series? There's room for both, I think. I prefer serialised stuff. I'm not wild about episodic stuff, but Mando made episodic stuff kind of work in the first season, especially. So, you know, I think there's room for all sorts. But, I, yeah, I, pr I prefer it this way, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I like a mix on my TV as a whole. Yeah, better this model than the Boba Fett model where you have an incredibly tedious central character who does absolutely fuck all and then just isn't in several episodes. Uh, I would say that's a very unconventional TV model. Boba Fett was interesting in that it was both serialised but not a story that grabbed you. And or the, indeed and a story. An adventure of the week that didn't grab you. <laughs> Whereas Mando is adventure of the week with a little bit of serialisation, but both of them grab you. And that's not, you know, at least because it has Baby Yoda. Whereas this so far is seems to be... Not so much Adventure of the Week, although having said that, my feeling in part two is that it will take Obi-Wan to a completely different milieu, if you will. Oh, and I that wonder if they really, may do that. Really paying off, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder if they may do that in every single uh, episode. That would be great. I want more Star Wars planets because, as we know, every Star Wars planet is just one thing. So they need to go to many, many planets to have multiple things uh, yes. happen to them adventure-wise. Why would you choose to live in Tatooine? It's a shithole. <laughs> It is a shithole. Why? Why? I think I th I think it must be an element of he knows that Anakin was traumatized Anakin. on Tatooine. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which, where was Big Liam? Sorry, Helen, I'm interrupting you. Let's go on to that afterwards. Carry on. Yeah, I think we're I think we're going to get Big Liam in this series. I think so too because Otherwise, there was that why thing at the beginning. That in the recap? Yeah. Said, yeah, exactly. I was like, I was waiting yep. for him. Going, Anakin. Oh, so. Can't wait. So yeah, so I think that's going to happen. But but the reason I think uh, Tatooine is, I think that uh, it's the last place in the galaxy that Darth Vader ever wants to set a foot on again. That's True. why Tatooine. Because it's a shithole. Also that, but if you remember, his mum died there, and then he had a like yeah. psychotic breakdown and killed a bunch of sand people. Yes, so, but mainly it's a shithole. There is an that. argument that if you wanted to hide a person from Darth Vader, taking him to Darth Vader's house is probably not. The most clever? <laughs> yes, I, I do get that. But again, this is a person who who is hiding out from the entire galactic government by changing his first name <laughs> to Ben and wearing a slightly shorter cloak. And so, Luke's, Luke's you know. name is the same. He doesn't change Luke's yeah, name at all. Yeah, he doesn't change Luke's name. So I... clearly he's not in some sort of register. Mm. Otherwise, he would he would just ping, ping, well, ping, ping, ping. Well, Vader, but, you know, Vader doesn't know, obviously, that Luke and Leia exist, does he? Because he doesn't... It's As far as he's concerned, I, Padme died and I the children died, and that was couldn't it. Couldn't you know. have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No! Yeah. No! That's a very good point. Uh, so it would just be a, a kid called Skywalker living on Tatooine near where I used to live with the people who knew my mum. Yeah. I'm sure that's just a complete coincidence. And hang on, he's the same age as my son would be? Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. At what point does he... It's it's after Star Wars, isn't it? When he becomes aware of Luke, 
It's, so yeah, it's not I think like, they have yeah. to be in proximity before he even knows through the forest mm. that Luke exists, I think. Yeah. So if you put him on a planet that he's never going to go to, then maybe that's the safest place. Like, if, I think it's like planetary range at most that even his force powers extend to. So, or is it? Or is it? I don't know. It's, uh, discuss five points. The secret identity thing will work because it seems like any old fucker who turns up on Tatooine randomly changes their name to Skywalker anyway. So I think it's absolutely <laughs> fine for him to have done it. They'll be like, oh God, here we are, another one. I don't remember that happening at all. Are you talking about that fan film from 2019? Yeah, the last Star Wars film was The Last Jedi, James. That's right, uh, that is true. In 2017, Ryan Johnson's true. triumphant The Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, I think I think with Luke hiding in plain sight on Tatooine, how many times have you lost your keys? And they are in the, the first place you should have looked. And I think Luke is Vader's keys, you if think? you will. Yeah. Speaking of so things I think that's what happened there. that are lost, how did Obi-Wan know where he buried those lightsabers? There was no mark in the sand. I couldn't see He's any a kind of... Jedi. I'm just saying that scene. He's like Khonshu. He turned back the night sky to the point where he <laughs> buried his lightsaber and then he could tell. Yeah, it reminded me so much of Steve Buscemi and um, Fargo burying the, the cash and just looking around for a landmark and... Nothing, yeah. Yeah, nothing. So how did he know? Do you think that was a deliberate uh, nod to that fan film that we don't talk about that ends, obviously, with the same lightsaber being buried in the sand? Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, well, as have we all, because it's not a real film. But if it were a real film... That might be a deliberate reference. We to may that. summon Ben. Ben may now be. Ben, ben is currently trying to persuade his hotel. He can feel. Uh, he can feel the disturbance in the forest. They're talking. They're. 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 they're like they're, millions of voices cried out. Yeah, Sarah. they're shitting on Rise of Skywalker quickly. And he's going to the hotel manager. You need to upgrade your Wi-Fi. <laughs> Something terrible has happened, and I must intervene. Communication disruption can mean only one thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about your Rise of Skywalker. No, but I. I think. I think it's just. Uh, a symbol that you're done with something, burying it in the desert, surely. I mean, you know, it's pretty common. A friend of mine, not me, friend of mine, once went to Morocco, went on a sightseeing uh, trip into the desert, mm-hmm. got caught short, had to poo in the desert, no. wiped his bum with his own socks, and, and then <laughs> left them there in the desert in Morocco, had to bury them in sand. So if one day <laughs> you are stumbling around... In the desert of Morocco, and you find something that looks like a great archaeological treasure. Oh no! Uh, it might actually be my friend Dave's shitty socks. <laughs> you named him. I could bleep him out, <laughs> but he's not on social media, and he doesn't listen to podcasts. So what could be go wrong? No one will know that it's Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Address twenty three Winston Gardens, <laughs> Guildford. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, speaking of uh, bringing things to an end, which I'm pretty sure someone said a second ago, uh, we should bring this to an end uh, as well. Uh, I think there's just one me, one last question. How did the Grand Inquisitor or the Dark Side in general, this is from Futzerboy, mm-hmm. Futzerboy, uh, how did the Grand Inquisitor know about Leia and the connection to Obi-Wan? Uh, I, I don't think either of them do know at all. They don't know a connection between Leia and Obi-Wan. They know a connection between Bail Organa and Obi-Wan. Like they don't like they just think that Leia is Bale's daughter and they've kidnapped her because they think that Bale is an old mate of Obi Wan's and that's because she mentions that to the Grand Inquisitor and you're like, Oh, okay, so you don't know who she is really. If you only knew if you only knew. A, a couple of people, uh, Julian Perkins one and someone else who's uh, here we are, Graham Wells, uh, uh praised the acting of the young actress who plays uh Leia Organa. 
whose name I have completely forgotten. But while you guys talk about her, uh, I will look it up. Her name is Vivian Lyra Blair. She was in Bird Box. Oh, your favourite film? Yes. Yes, my favourite film. (laughs) Are you willing to go on the record, Jimbo, uh, publicly about how much you think she's a terrible actress? Well, I I, I think it's always challenging when you have children and stuff. You do get naturalistic actors below the age of 10, but they are few and far between. And Star Wars has a less than storied history in this department i'm not saying she's jake lloyd bad i'm but i didn't think she was fabulous i think she has some good scenes i enjoyed her scenes on alderaan Mm. but she began to grate on me after a while and i found the performance to be a little bit patchy let's say so look i yeah i think there were some not great scenes like that chase in the forest but I, i liked her kind of um I liked her kind of fire and her kind of uh, stubbornness. I liked the idea of Leia being a difficult child because that yeah. rings true to me. Yeah. Um, and, and also, <laughs> I liked her scenes with with her parents. You know, the, the sort of the mum who's desperately trying to keep her in line and keep her wrangled, and, and the slightly more indulgent dad. That kind of oh. felt like that felt right for that character somehow. You know? Yeah, I agree. I, uh, listen, we haven't even talked about Jimmy Smith. How good was oh, it to see Jimmy Smith? Always, so always good. Always good. Santos for president. I mean, yes. um, you know, leader of Alderaan. And president. LA Law, NYPD oh. Blue, that show about the West Wing, whatever it's called. And now this. Brooklyn the man Nine-Nine. Is just a, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He is just a guarantee of quality. There are certain people who just, if they turn up in a show, yeah. you're like, this is going to be good. Yes. I thought the, I thought the young girl playing Leia was, was, was good. Uh, I thought she was, she was perfectly, uh, perfectly cromulent. <laughs> She did everything, like 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 Jack Reacher would say, she did everything she needed to do and nothing she didn't. Mm. So yes. there you go. There you go. I, my feelings about her, I think, become more acute in the second episode. Okay. I, I did not mind her in this first episode. The second Search episode. Search your feelings. Yes. You suspect her to be poo. Indeed. Um, all right. <laughs> Anyway, it's time to wrap this this bad boy up. We've got to go and chase some pergil, uh, or maybe just have some sweet mallows. Sweet mallows all round, that's what I say, after a long, hard day of podcasting. Uh, but it is the first episode, so let's have a bit of wild speculation. Uh, yes, I think we will see Qui-Gon Jinn. I think this is about Obi-Wan reconnecting with the Force and reconnecting with his spiritual side, and he just can't do it. Uh, Obi-Wan, uh, Yoda, clearly, when he says in French of the Sith, I will teach you how to commune with your mm-hmm. master, just lie little shit and uh, but Obi-Wan's going to learn how to do that on his own. Can I just say I love that they put that in the beginning to obviously telegraph this but of all the things that Lucas did in terms of ham-fisted retconning like that line just to the oh by the way we've got to the end of the prequels and I'd completely fucking forgotten that Jedi's (laughs) can do this so let me have Yoda very quickly drop in this clanging line about how he's just learned how to do it. Oh Lord, I, I'm excited! I'm excited to see Qui Gon Jinn. I'm excited to see uh, you know Northern Irish Jedi represented once yes. again on the big screen. Come on, no. very <laughs> Anakin! No, Anakin! There's my inalienable right to march. We we don't have superhero representation. The least we can have is uh, Star Wars representation. You know, so uh... we we do have superhero representation. Do you not know Orange Man? Uh, every every July twelfth, he he rises. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, I don't wow. think I want oh, to. Hmm. Oh, dear Lord. Um, but no, I think we will, as I said, I think we'll end up with Obi-Wan physically Obi-Wan. back where he started, mentally considerably moved on and in a better place. Mm. And I think the world's going to change around him a little bit as well. I think there's going to be a bit of a thaw. I think he's going to strike at least a few blows against the Empire as he goes. So let's hope for the best. I don't know. 
Do you want to hear my my wild oh bring uh, it wild fan cameo unexpected fan cameo speculation? Is it Ahsoka? No. What is it? Char Jar. Oh, oh really? Yeah. You oh. think he? We saw him. We saw him in the in the recap. Yeah. And that seems like something you could have snipped out if you'd wanted to. And I'm not saying that everyone we saw in the recap is going to show up in this show in some way, but. That idea that I was talking about, about the rehabilitation of the prequels and meshing the prequels aesthetic with the original trilogy, more practical aesthetic, might just work if you gave Jar Jar Binks a little bit of a redemptive arc. If if Obi-Wan's on the run, he might end up in Naboo, yeah. he might, or somewhere, and he might end up with his old pal Jar Jar, mm. and we might get to see an older, wiser, but hopefully still hilarious Jar Jar. <laughs> I, I, I am absolutely not going to rule it out because I think for all the reasons you've said, it's entirely possible. And I think the entire millen- millennial generation who grew up on these films has warmer feelings for Jar Jar than us old fogies do. And I also think that Ahmed Best, the actor, uh, deserves mm. better than he he got over those films. So I have a, a lot of sympathy for him. And I think if he ends up you know, feeling some sense of redemption for it, I'd be all for that. I I can't personally get excited. <laughs> I can about I the can. return I, of Jar Jar. I'm, I'm, but but I'm going, you know, if they can do something wonderful with that character, then God yeah. bless this show. That'll be that'll be a hell of an that achievement. That would be that would be a hell of a thing. Yeah, it really I mean, would. From a creative standpoint, if you could if you could bring Jar Jar into the show and somehow make it work mm. and and give him a dignified cameo in the show, it actually has an emotional impact. Oh yeah, and the and this yeah, just imagine how much better the CG would be nowadays. And yeah, I mean, look, the CG wasn't that bad at the time. It was very, very good. Yeah. It was very, very good. But it would be even better yeah. now, is yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, so that is my wild. I was right once about Luke Skywalker in these shows, uh, but wrong about everything else. But this is my wild. I think Jar Jar is going to be in it. You can take it from, put a pin in it, play this clip on the internet. I don't care. I'm right. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh, I got, ex- I got excited there. Anyway, uh, not in a sexy way. <laughs> on that note, Thank you for clarifying. On, on that note, although Jar Jar Binks does make me feel strange feelings deep, deep below, there's always a bigger fish. Anyway, on that note, it is time to bring our first Obi-Wan Kenobi spoiler special to an end. Uh, the second part will be recorded on Monday morning. It's the only time we're available, folks. Uh, we have a very, very, very busy schedule. I've seen my schedule. I am busy. Uh, and we will be getting that up on Monday evening. And then the episodes refer to Wednesdays, I believe. So Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi will be overlapping for three <laughs> fucking glorious weeks. Well done, everybody. <laughs> great, great scheduling. Just top scheduling all around. Well done. Oh, I'm so excited. You're fine. You're fine. It's going to be fine. Ah, It's going to be great. Anyway, it is time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such lethal cunning squadcast names. (laughs) I just realized what your squadcast name is a play on. (laughs) Snoot Horsey Horse. There we go. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Martha Stewart has one. Hangs out with it. Oh, that's made me laugh quite a lot. Snoot horsey horse, James Dyer. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> it's goodbye from Leia Cake. Toodaloo. Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Two of my favourite things together. 
Oh, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Cake and Leia. Lovely. Exactly. Uh, it is a goodbye from me, Joby One Kenobi. Joby One Kenobi. Joby One. Joby One Kenobi. <laughs> Oh, we've got five more weeks of this. Oh. Five more weeks of terrible Ben Kenobi impressions. God. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, you were right about one thing, Master. The podcast was not short. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.